1: This is the Join Amber Podcast
0: is over for Carson Wentz, at least in Washington, maybe as a starter in the National Football League. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio. All you have to do is tell your smart speakers to play ESPN Radio. It is that simple. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh here hanging out with you. At Joe Fortenbaugh, that's how you find him on social media. At Amber W Sports, that is how you find me. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save. 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. So Carson Wentz was released by the Washington Commanders. The move saves Washington Joe just over $26 million on the salary cap this offseason. Wentz had two years remaining on his contract. He had no guaranteed money. Commanders also released Bobby McCain. All of this coming today. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that that's the direction they ended up going with Carson Wentz. But at the same time... When we consider where Carson Wentz was six years ago, it's shocking the trajectory of this career.
1: The further he's gotten away from Doug Peterson, the worse it's gotten. And that's just the fact. He had a lot of success. Some thought it was an MVP caliber season, the year Philadelphia won the Super Bowl. He got hurt late in that season. Nick Foles took over. The rest is history. But since then, whether it's the knee, whether it's the attitude, whether it's the seeming inability, I should say, excuse me, Monday, chalk it up to that, inability to get along with people in the locker room because it really seems like this guy isn't all that liked wherever he goes. You never really hear teammates standing up for him. All of it as he's gotten further and further away from Doug Peterson has gotten worse and worse. He's headed for his fourth team in four seasons. He doesn't complete a high percentage of his passes. He turns the ball over way too often. He doesn't make key plays late in games or late in the half. It's always been a hallmark of his that he gives these games away. And now, ultimately, he's looking for another team. The question is whether or not, do you believe at any point he's going to be a true starter again? Or is he now destined for the Andy Dalton role, which is career backup who steps into a starting role when there's literally nothing else out there because of an injury?
0: Here's what I wonder. I wonder with Carson Wentz, how much of it was just injury derailing his career? How much of it was fool's gold back in 2017? Because obviously we didn't have a large sample size, even though he was having an MVP season. Or how much of it's mental? If it's mental, if it's one of these things, you know, it's, Like we see it, I, I guess I liken it more to basketball, like a Ben Simmons or a Markel Fultz, right? Like, if we think maybe the talent's there, but it's become mental over the years with things not working out for him since he left Philly. Then what you could see is him in a backup role, and then also shining because now the pressure's off of him, right? So when he gets those opportunities and those short snippets as a backup, is he not expected to be the starter? Maybe all of a sudden he looks good. And then if that's the case, he gets another starting role, let's be real. Now, I don't know how that works out for him, but these guys tend to get chance after chance after chance in the NFL if you've ever shown any promise. And he hasn't just shown promise, Joe. He's shown MVP caliber promise. So I feel like it's really hard for teams to Let it go. They think we're going to get the most out of him, right? I mean, Washington was willing to trade two third-round picks. They swapped second-round picks. To get Wentz from Indianapolis Obviously they were planning to pay him For years on that deal It doesn't work out But another opportunity there for Carson once He wasn't atrocious in Indy But that again another opportunity In Indianapolis with Wentz It's like he keeps getting these opportunities I have a hard time to believe Then that he's never going to get another, uh, another opportunity again I'm not willing to say that It's just not going to be right now Right now he'll be a backup somewhere
1: I don't think there's a team anywhere in the NFL at any point moving forward that's going to say, let's give Carson Wentz another shot to be a starter. I think he's only going to be a starter if he's stepping into a fill-in role. Like, again, similar to Andy Dalton. Dalton was backing up Winston. Winston got hurt. Winston started to get healthy, but Winston was kind of a mess. The Saints were a mess. They just thought, to heck with it, we'll ride it out with Dalton. But that's not because they thought Dalton was a franchise guy. Like, those days for Wentz were... Are over, in my opinion. I don't think he's a leader of men. I don't think he's a guy that steps in and commands a locker room, which is a huge problem when you're a franchise quarterback. I think he turns the ball over too often. And I think he's proven at multiple stops with weapons around him, he just can't get it done at a high level. That doesn't mean he can't be a backup. That doesn't mean he can't get spot starts. But the only advantage he has right now is that for the first time since he was a rookie, he's going to be working cheap. Gone are the days of these ridiculous contracts and teams paying him huge money. Those days are over. He's probably going to sign a one-year prove-it somewhere because he's not Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to go start somewhere because some team thinks that's the answer to their problems. Wentz is not the answer to anybody's problem. He's coming in as a backup. Maybe he's coming in to push a young guy that a team wants to put over the top. But ultimately, I think his days of being the franchise QB, those are over.
0: I mean, he's thrown 151 touchdown passes to 66 interceptions in his seven seasons. That's 92 starts. Like it ain't, it ain't that bad. You know what I mean? And then obviously, he's got an MVP caliber season on his record, on his resume. He tore his left ACL back in 2017. That's what disrupted that season. Injuries have disrupted this guy's career. He had the back injury the next season. It's been a problem for Wentz. That also is a problem, though, when you're evaluating whether Wentz is going to be a starting quarterback, because it's been hard to count on him. Even if you think that the right coach could get the most out of him again, it's been Hard to count on him to stay healthy. I do wonder at a backup role, though, since you and I both agree for now, it's certainly a backup role for Carson Wentz, where he goes. Because Doug Peterson, by the way, is a head coach in Jacksonville. You know, could he end up Trevor Lawrence's backup? Could Peterson feel like he's going to get the most out of Wentz one more time? Frank Wright is a head coach for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, He played for Reich at Indy and at Philly as the OC there. So there's certainly familiarity with Wentz from some of these coaches around the league.
1: If Frank Reich wants Carson Wentz, Carolina can start looking for a new head coach right now. That they can just go ahead and move on without even one game. Reich was in Indianapolis for Phillip Rivers for a season, for Wentz for a season, for Ryan for a season. Reich has got to get a quarterback. He's got to get a guy who can be stable and consistent. And what I mean consistent, meaning he's going to be here more than one year. The Indianapolis situation was a disaster. So if you're Frank Reich, you probably want a rookie or you want Derek Carr, someone that's going to be the guy for the next few seasons. With Wentz, you're going to need to get a real good idea if you're going to sign him as to where his mindset is. If he's coming in to compete for a starting job, I don't want him anywhere near a young quarterback who's already got the job. I think the spot for Wentz is to be a backup to an established starter. Someone he's not going to be able to disrupt. Someone where he understands his place in the hierarchy. You're only getting in due to an injury or a blowout. You are not here competing for a job. I don't think you want him in Jacksonville. He he has shown repeatedly that for some reason inside these locker rooms there's always a division where some guys stand up for him and some guys seem to dislike him we've never really gotten the full story on what it is but in philly there was a problem jim ursay couldn't get him out of indianapolis fast enough washington who doesn't even have a qb couldn't move on from him fast enough so i wouldn't want him anywhere near my culture if i've got a culture heading in the right direction and jacksonville's heading in the right direction if i'm doug peterson it is a hard pass you've got trevor lawrence if he goes down you're cooked anyway stay the course you don't need to mess around with Carson Wentz
0: but Peterson's the one guy that there wasn't a problem with when he did have Carson Wentz so I don't know if he could conjure up some of that magic once again but to your point I'm not sure he needs to because we're not talking about Wentz being a starting quarterback we're just talking about a backup and maybe he doesn't need to bother with any of that since he has Trevor Lawrence he can kind of look elsewhere for a backup and not take on that level of scrutiny that's going to come with reestablishing that relationship Joe and Amber's on ESPN radio coming up next Is Drake to blame for Jake Paul's loss to Tommy Fury yesterday? We're going to get into it. This is ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app.
2: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: One of the most impressive things about Joe Fortenbaugh, not his betting advice, that's impressive as well, not his television work, okay, not his presence on Daily Wager, Stop. not even, not even here on Joe and Amber his contributions on air, but instead the rate at which he gets dressed for radio out of his television <laughs> getup that he's wearing for Daily Wager to do this show is wildly impressive because Joe gets off air on the daily wager. He gets to radio within like 60, like he gets here. There's like 60 seconds, 90 seconds. I think today is when you sat down at the mic. We had 90 seconds before we were going live and you're like trying to like get your tie off and sit down. Can't even pull up the zoom in time. You're discombobulated. Then you have to wait for the next commercial break to actually go change your clothes because anybody that's done TV knows it ain't the same as radio. Nobody wants to sit around in television clothes when you're on the radio.
1: My ability to go from TV to radio seamlessly and deliver elite content right out of the back that Greenberg should should take notes because Greenberg does the same thing. <laughs> but I'll tell you, no, he doesn't gotta...
0: do the same thing, though. He literally does get up. And then he also has like 90 seconds, but he just sits down and does radio right. in his get up. He's, same getup, he's lazy. literally. He's lazy. He just
1: stays in the same seat like some lazy slob and doesn't even have to move. I generally, I'm at home today, so I also lazy slob, but... When I'm at the studio, I have to go from Studio 1 to Studio 2. They time me. It takes about 7.1 seconds. That's athleticism right there. You want to talk combine <laughs> drills. That's a guy making a play to be ready for the start of the radio show. And you know I always come in hot. and You always do an excellent job getting it set. So I appreciate that. I do appreciate that, Amber Wilson.
0: Well, I appreciate you for getting here each and every day, even if there are days you You're always on the
1: verge of, like, a panic attack that I'm not going to make it, to, right? Right. Like,
0: I've tried to lessen that— <laughs> uh over time now i've gotten more used to it like james seemed a little rattled today at no. one point james just it, it, unprompted uh, just broke into my ear and he's like uh you know joe should be here joe will be here because he's he's doing the show from home today it's it's even a, a shorter commute for him
2: No, that's <laughs> not true i just said joe will just be here like earlier today because you're he like, have to you're go like anywhere. he'll be here no listen, be here. what happened what, what happens what happens whenever joe gets here he turns on his 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 comrades unit, which allows him to talk to the radio. And he's like, how much time do I have? And we say like 15 seconds. Like, Great. I'm going to change all my clothes. I'll be right back.
0: <laughs> 100%. Every time we've got 10 seconds to, sure. okay, I'm just going to get this tie off and, and the show, I'll be right back.
1: <laughs> As Papa Walenda once said, life is on the wire. The rest is just details. If I had plenty of time to get ready for a show, I wouldn't be at my best. I need the chaos and the anarchy of flying around from one show to the next this this lifestyle gives me that this tv to radio segue gives me that so (laughs) i get my rush every day
0: let's see how ready you are this is your first pizza money let's do it
1: pizza money alert pizza pizza all right, some accounting from last week. We had two golf futures we gave out on Wednesday. Both were losers. Before you laugh, one was 60 to one, one was like 25 to one. All we need to do is hit one of those, and it pays for the rest of the season. But we do have to account for those, as well as the one- in- one record over the weekend, the UFC main event got canceled, so that bet got canceled. So we went one in three, minus 2.1 units. Last 16 shows, 27 and 23, plus 13.05 units. So we're up, we're doing well, time to start a new week. Bet number one, this one's coming up, I believe, in about 20 minutes or so. It's the Celtics at the Knicks. Marcus Smart of the Celtics over five and a half assists. He's averaging seven per game on the season, but the handicap here is the fact that the Celtics will be without Jalen Brown. And when Jalen Brown doesn't play Marcus smarts assists go through the roof six games this season, Marcus smart has played without Jalen Brown in those six games. He's had at least six assists every single time. And he's averaging 9.8 assists per game. No Jalen Brown tonight means we play over Marcus smart assists five and a half pizza money. Number one. Joe and Amber's presented to you by Progressive
0: Insurance. So Jake Paul's unbeaten streak, Joe, in boxing has come to an end. Did you watch this fight? He lost to Tommy Fury in a split decision.
1: Oh, I watched it. I, I was actually, this is the first Jake Paul fight I was excited to see. I had kind of been following his career like a lot of people I would hear with the outcome. I, made, I saw the one against Nate Robinson when he knocked him out cold. This one I was actually interested in because he was stepping up. He was fighting an actual fighter in Tommy Fury, half-brother of Tyson Fury. Fury was 8-0 with four knockouts. Now, granted, he built that record on the backs of tomato cans, but he was a professional prize fighter, and this is the first time Jake Paul fought somebody like that.
0: Also, the last name, I think, helps here uh, seem oh, yeah. make it seem even more uh, intimidating what Jake Paul was going up against. I, too, bought this fight. I, too, watched this fight. I mean, it's funny because on Friday, you and I talked quite a bit about this fight. We took phone calls. Just Jake Paul gets you to fighting. And I enjoy boxing anyways, so I'm somebody who will watch big fights. But I mean, we this need to isn't get you out here to fight. Vegas
1: then to do the show. We need to get you out here to Vegas. We got fights all the time. We gotta oh, get I would you love out here to, to do the show.
0: I mean, I went to a Mayweather fight in Vegas. It was one of the coolest events I've ever been to in my life. I go. would love Atta to girl. go out there uh, and and go to go to more boxing. And so I like fighting generally, but it's not like I'm I, by by any means a diehard boxing fan. Typically, I'm not watching boxing on a Sunday at five PM Eastern or whatever it was <laughs> no. when that fight uh, got going and yet that's exactly what i was doing on sunday you know I, I i bought in and so i guess this jake and i'm i am over here lamenting the paul bro i'm like i don't get it kids these days like why did why are these paul brothers so popular and famous it makes zero sense to me and then here i am uh, buying the fight and watching it on a sunday afternoon
1: It was an interesting fight. It went the eight-round distance. That was one of our winners from last week. We told you we had one bet on the fight. We thought it was going to go the distance because they were going to do a lot of clinching and holding, which is exactly what happened. We handicapped that very well. What you noticed in this fight was when Jake Paul stepped up to take on a real fighter, suddenly he wasn't landing the big overhand right. Mm -hmm. Jake Paul had been knocking everyone out. Everyone was impressed by it. Well, yeah, when the opponents stand directly in front of him and don't move, he's going to knock people out. Guess what Tommy Fury did? He boxed. Mm-hmm. It was a big secret. Nobody saw it coming. He actually boxed as a boxer in a boxing match. He moved laterally side to side. Paul was not able to sit back and load up, get ready for to land that right hand. He was off balance. Fury kept sticking him with the jab and that was it like that's all she wrote he was racking up. I had it 75-74 Fury I had it a little bit closer Gosh, I think you than had some it did. so close I didn't think well, it was that
0: close
1: he got a knock Paul got a it knockdown at the end of the, the fight knockdown. which was big and right. then this this jabroni ref took a point away from both guys which he didn't even give the three warnings he didn't give any warnings he basically took a point away from Paul early in the fight and then I think he felt compelled to do a makeup later in the fight and he took a point away from Fury again ref it's not about you just back up and let them fight and do your job but other than that it was i mean how how did you feel i thought, I thought it, was it was mildly entertaining i was okay
0: I, I, I thought it was pretty boring. I mean, I'm glad I okay. went the distance. Fine. I'm not, I'm not one who wants a knockout in the first 30 seconds, right? Like, I'd rather see a longer fight if I'm going to pay for the fight. But I thought it was boring because of how much time they spent wrapped up. And frankly, I thought Paul looked gassed. I mean, I thought they both looked gassed at times. Yeah. I understand that can happen. I was surprised that the commentators after the fight were talking about how their conditioning was good. I didn't think their conditioning was good. It's why they spent so much darn time hugging each other. My three-year-old son kept saying, and I, that's probably inappropriate to let my almost four- old watch this I don't know but it was on while he was playing with his toys is what it is learn don't at me it. and he said mommy why do they keep hugging mommy why do they keep hugging and I'm like honey because they're too tired to keep fighting like that's what's happening here so I thought that was you know I just didn't think it was that exciting from that perspective the knockdown from Paul was fine otherwise I thought Tommy Fury landed much cleaner shots I wasn't surprised he won
1: I I would I'll say this the the eight rounds if you the conditioning is so hard in boxing. I When I was in a senior in high school, we did some of these boxing matches, and I, I tried it. And I was in the best shape of my life back then. I was playing sports all year round. I got into this thing and... I was looking around like a minute or two in, like when are they going to ring the bell? I was completely out of gas. Like it's it's amazing how much stamina and conditioning you need to compete at that oh, level. I you know. don't realize I, it.
0: I no, I do. I believe it. I, I mean I used like to generally, a, not just I, tra- I used to train in a in a boxing gym and I used to spar all the time and like just for fun, like just for training. It's tough. Uh, it was like the best workouts of my entire life and I'm somebody yeah. who's always been very, very dedicated to fitness. Coming up, is there anything better than a goalie goal? We're going to get into it. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio also. You can check us out on the ESPN app.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber.
0: We just talked about the Paul Fury fight. Who was to blame for Jake Paul's loss? Paul was asked about a certain rapper after the fight.
1: Did you hear about Drake? Betting four hundred thousand dollars onto you tonight, and do you feel like that affected you through the Drake curse?
2: <laughs> this is Drake's fault. <laughs> Drake, bro, why you do this to me? Nah, nah, it, it's it's my fault. But um, four hundred thousand is nothing to him. So, but he's won a lot more money betting on me before. So I, he's probably about even now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Drake. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get that W in the rematch.
0: We bring in our producer James Steele.
2: Yeah. So uh, Amber. By the won- way, welcome back, James. Oh, thank we you. Missed yeah, you. Last week. I'm when back. You yeah. That sounded disingenuous. Well, uh, so
0: something yeah. people say. You know?
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
1: The Empty platitudes. Listening.
2: Correct. All right. <laughs> so Amber, was it Drake's fault?
0: Uh, it was not Drake's fault. Uh, I happened to be one who supports Drake. I like Drake. I like Drake's music. I don't know if it's cool to like Drake. I feel like Drake's one of those rappers that sometimes it's cool to like Drake, Joe, and it's like sometimes you're not supposed to like Drake because people are clowning on Drake. I've always liked Drake. I like Drake's music. I don't believe in the Drake curse. I thought Jake Paul handled that question, though, in a funny way. I like that sound. Uh, this ain't Drake's fault. This is just Jake Paul's not a boxer, and Tommy Fury actually kind of is a little bit.
1: Yeah, I like Drake, which means it's probably not cool to like Drake because I'm not really a cool guy by any stretch of the imagination or any metric. So take that for what it's worth. Drake gets a bad rap. I mean, we've heard of the Drake curse. He puts the jersey on, he sits courtside, he roots for you, something like that, and then the team ends up going down. But we only really document the losers because we want to take down people like Drake because they're so mm-hmm. successful. Basically, we're a nation or a planet of haters. Drake's got some winners as well. Every now and again, if you follow those videos, he's got some roulette sessions going where he has a lot of money on the table and he'll hit one of those numbers for a massive payday. So, certainly not Drake's fault. No such thing as a Drake curse. Jake Paul just needs to learn how to box. He needs to learn how to move, defend, and uh, come up with more than just the right hook if he's going to beat guys who actually do it for a living.
0: He kind of is a one trick pony. I I thought, I felt like the commentators were hamming it up afterwards, like, because they were also saying, like, even during it, even during it, they were talking about, oh, he's proved he's a fighter here today, and yeah. I'm like, what are, what are they watching that I'm not watching? Like, it's, I'm yeah, not saying was he was awful, but there was way too much of that. Like, we were trying way too hard to sell this thing.
1: Porter's and- a professional, and after the fight, he was like, oh, I have it for Paul. One of the other commentators was like, yeah, I have it for Paul, too. I'm like, I, I don't what? see it that way. That doesn't mean I'm an expert, but I don't know how that fight was scored for Jake Paul in the eyes of so many guys. I really we- don't.
0: The only moment that that really got me with Jake Paul was the knockdown. There was a little bit of a knockdown there. He did go – Fury did go down to his knee. Fine. Like, that was the moment for Paul. Otherwise – I definitely, I I don't see it. I thought it was a mismatch from that regard. Adam Schefter is reporting that the Bears are, quote unquote, leaning towards trading the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. More on that at 8 p.m. Eastern. And the main reason why why they are leaning in that direction is because they have Justin Fields, who showed that he could be what he could be last season without any help around him. But what's his ceiling? Could he be as good as Josh Allen? Here's Dominique Foxworth on Get Up This Morning.
1: I don't see why not. Like, he has the physical tools that uh, you could argue are better than both of those players. The difference is what you surround him with and some stability. Those players have had some stability in their organizations and a lot of talent around them. And I think that's normally what determines how good a quarterback is in the long term in this career or in his career in the NFL. Is how much time you can buy him by surrounding him with talent and taking pressure off of him, giving him time to learn and develop. Jalen Hurts showed us how how high the ceiling can be for somebody like Justin Fields. It maybe even get it may could even get higher than that considering his talent. So I think there's really no reason to move on from from uh, Justin Fields right now.
2: Joe, uh, what do you think Justin Fields' ceiling is?
1: Pretty high. I don't know who the comp would be. I don't know if I'd say Hurts, but it's pretty high. He had nothing to work with last year. People don't realize that offensive line stunk. Give the kids some protection. Give them some weapons. They traded for Chase Claypool, who like immediately got hurt. He was working with a way below average wide receiving unit and a way below average offensive line. And yet the guy can make plays. Give him the opportunity. What did Philadelphia do? They brought in AJ Brown and immediately Jalen Hurts found another level. He probably went up five levels this past season. So, so for, for, uh, for, for, Fields, I'm not gonna say it's Hurts, but he's a franchise guy. He could be a franchise guy. Put people around him, though. You got to draft. You got to
0: build. I don't hate the Hurts comparison, the Josh Allen comparison. Comparing anybody to Josh Allen. I feel like is a dangerous game because even just the story of Josh Allen is such an unusual one. Like, he seemed so bad when he first came into the league, frankly, and we knew so little about him coming out of college. Uh, It's kind of an unusual one there. I think with Justin Fields, he's shown so much already on such a bad Bears team. Like, that talent is undeniable. There was times this past season the game film was must-watch film, you know, because Justin Fields was so exciting at times, and he was doing it, like Joe said, with no help, nobody around him, and no weapons. If he can show you that, even in small snippets, then yes, as this team improves, Justin Fields should improve. I don't have a problem thinking that, sure, maybe he could blossom into a Jalen Hurts one day. Hurts obviously had the right team around him, but also rose up to that standard and contributed as well. There's no reason I don't think that Justin Fields couldn't do the same, but it all comes down to how they build this team around him in Chicago. The pressure is off Patrick Mahomes to win another Super Bowl after the Chiefs' victory over the Eagles a couple weeks ago in Super Bowl 57. So which quarterback will have the most pressure on them this season to win a championship? Here's Keyshawn Johnson and why the pressure will be turned up on Joe Burrow.
1: There's a lot of pressure for Joe Burrow. Yes, he's gone to a Super Bowl. He's gone to a championship game. He's been in the playoffs. He's got big-time money coming his way. But you may never get back there again. Now that Patrick Mahomes is just doing what he's doing, Josh Allen is in the way. Then you're going to have Lamar will be in the way. Deshaun Watson will be in the way. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's going to be in the way. All of the things that we like about Joe Burrow, T. Higgins will eventually be gone. And because of everything that we've given him already well-deserved, he's got to win a championship. At some point, we're just going to be like, oh, well, he can't finish, he can't finish, he can't finish.
2: Amber, which QB will be under the most pressure to win a Super Bowl next season.
0: I don't think we're anywhere close to the you can't finish conversation when it comes to Joe Burrow and all that competition that Keyshawn just referenced there in the AFC, I think is the reason that Joe Burrow is not under that pressure. He's already made it to a Super Bowl. Not under that pressure yet, I should say. He's already made it to a Super Bowl. Has Josh Allen come close to one? Like We were just talking about that guy. I feel like he's under more pressure than Joe Burrow to make it to a Super Bowl. Dak Prescott? He's under more pressure than Joe Burrow to just even make it to a championship. So I don't think Joe Burrow, frankly, I don't think the narrative changes much around Joe Burrow, whether he wins one this
1: next upcoming season or not, Joe. James, just so I'm clear, what's the question here? More pressure on who? Burrow versus who?
2: No, I'm saying what quarterback has Ah. the most pressure. Joe Burrow is definitely going to be under pressure to win a know
1: Yeah, see, I don't I don't really see that. He's already a franchise guy. Like what don't we like about Burrow? He was in a duel at Arrowhead against Mahomes. It didn't break. Everybody his way. thinks he's
0: phenomenal. He had injuries on his O line at
1: the end of the se- in the postseason. Yeah, and at the it end came the down season. to the wire. They were in the game. He. It's not like he was awful. He wasn't great in that game, but he wasn't awful. It's not like he went out and lost it for him. Burrow's been fantastic. I don't think there's pressure on him. Uh, Amber's point is right. I think Josh Allen's got a little bit more pressure. I think sneaky and he, he. This guy gets to avoid a ton of pressure because everyone else around him is constantly screwing up. Justin Herbert. People, people just – we have this blanket Fair. assumption that Justin Herbert is just this great young quarterback – And that's it. He's just got an idiot head coach. Staley makes some bad decisions, sure. But Herbert played terrible in the second half of that playoff game against Jacksonville. And Herbert's made plenty of mistakes before. But he gets it swept under the rug more than any quarterback in the NFL. Because everyone's always so focused on the coach. Or, well, Chargers going to Charger. That's what they do. He avoids it. At some point when people start paying attention, they're going to realize that's the guy who's got some pressure. He needs to step his game up if the Chargers are going to take another step forward.
0: The list of NHL goalies who have scored a goal is a short one. Up until Saturday, there were only 13 total to have ever done it. Then Bruins goalie Linus Olmark added his name to that list.
1: Garland pumps it ahead. It's deflected to the left. Olmark's going to try it. He shoots up the middle, all the way down. He scores! Settled it, and then sizzled it up the middle and down. A goalie goal.
2: Uh, that's 98.5, the Sports Hub with a call. Sound on, sound off is brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Joe.
1: is A lot in- of excitement on that read.
2: Do you want me to do it? Sound <laughs> on, sound off is brought to you by My Computer Career Training. Forum. Better life. I don't Joe, all right, there we go. Now Joe. I'm
1: excited.
2: Joe, is the goalie goal the most difficult accomplishment in pro sports?
1: That's a good question. That's a really good question. The opportunities are so limited. So off the top of my head, no, it's not. It No, it's not. I just don't have something better for you right now. That's the a problem. The soccer field's a lot bigger.
0: The goalie goalie goal for what, a soccer soccer. player? Yes, the goalie goalie goal in soccer, I think, is more impressive, right, than the goalie goal in hockey. I mean, it's all incredibly impressive.
1: There are so many baseball streaks that are ridiculous, but they they are more than one game related generally. Like the two grand slams in one inning, that happened one time. I don't think we'll ever see that again. The goalie goal, uh, no, not the most impressive thing in sports. But damn, I can't really get any credit for that answer because I don't have something better right now, Amber.
0: It's a very, very cool accomplishment any way you cut it. It really, really is. Uh, yeah. I, and obviously done so few times. So there you go.
1: Boston's a freight train this year, by the way. I mean, they are an absolute freight train. If the Rangers add Patrick Kane, maybe they can threaten him in the East. But the, the Bruins, if you're not paying attention to the NHL, the Bruins are doing everything this year, all in a good way.
0: What Joe said.
1: Coming <laughs> up next year.
0: <laughs> Joe and Amber the Mavericks blew a 27 point lead we are going to get in a little bit to that Lakers Mavericks matchup from last night this is Joe and Amber on ESPN radio you can also listen to us on the ESPN app
1: Joe and Amber the podcast
0: Ron James and the Los Angeles Lakers rallied from a 27-point hole to beat the Dallas Mavericks. 111 to 108 at American Airlines Center yesterday that matched the largest comeback win James has had in his entire career. So that's saying something. We were going to talk mostly about the collapse of the Dallas Mavericks here, but we did just get some breaking news when it comes to LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers. ESPN's Adrian Wojanowski is reporting that LeBron James is feared to be out several weeks with a right foot injury, sources told ESPN's Woj. James is undergoing further testing to learn the full extent of the injury suffered in Sunday's victory over Dallas. He did limp off the court. It was obvious that he hurt his foot. I'm not sure that there was concern, though, in the immediacy that it would be this kind of injury. I heard Keyshawn talking on the morning show this morning about how he was still in his regular shoe. And so typically if you really hurt yourself, like it immediately swells so much that you can't be wearing your regular shoe and so I know Key was taking that as a sign he's going to be fine it appears that he's not going to be fine we're now hearing it may be significant time miss for LeBron James and a Lakers team Joe that needs to win just about every darn game here down the stretch in order to even make a play in nevertheless any sort of postseason run because of where they're standing in the standings I should mention as well that LeBron on his own Instagram story put out a video, a boomerang of him zooming in on his foot. And it says, uh, bleeping sucks.
1: Yeah, he summed it up well. I'm not a LeBron stan, but I hate the fact that this is happening and that it could possibly lead to the Lakers missing the playoffs yet again and no LeBron in the postseason. The game is better when he's in the postseason. That's not a revolutionary thought If you like him, you want to see him in the playoffs. If you don't like him, it's great to have him in the playoffs because you can root against him. I was watching this game yesterday. Very odd game, all right? First and foremost, the Mavericks generated 60 points from three-point range. They knocked down 23s. The Lakers generated 18 points from deep. They couldn't hit anything. They were like 0 for 15 to start from deep. They stunk. They got outscored by 42 points from beyond three-point range, and they still won the game. But the story is the James injury, which happened in the second half. It was really bizarre. He goes to the ground and I I, I didn't have the sound on, but there were three or four camera angles. And during those camera angles, you see James looking at his teammates going, I heard it pop. I heard it pop. He must've said it four times. I even tweeted something out. I'm like, is he saying he heard it pop? Because if he heard it pop, that's going to be significant. Then he stands up walks to the end, of the other end of the court, and I believe continues playing for a little while.
0: Right. Bit. It's like, if you heard it pop, buddy, right. what are you doing?
1: So I'm sitting there and the I'm thinking, all here. right, did this pop and you're trying to play on it? Were you, like, did your shoe bubble maybe pop and you thought you heard that? Because it can be freakish. When you're an athlete, you know, things like this happen. Sometimes it's not so much the pain right away that gets you. It's the shock that like, you know, oh my God, that could be my knee. It could be my Achilles. I, I could be out for a while. It could be my career. The stuff that goes through your mind, you know, it's it's hard to stay rational in that moment. So the game ends and you just figure everything's fine. And now we find this out and it's just an absolute killer because I'll tell you this, the two games they played small sample size, they're two and Oh, they looked really good. They had every opportunity to quit in that game yesterday. Amber, they were getting bamboozled. They looked awful. They had no energy whatsoever and they clawed all the way back in. And then Dallas just collapsed and the Lakers took it from them. It was a great win and you know I wasn't very
0: impressed by the win over Golden State because it was a short-handed Golden State team without a Steph Curry out there as well and so I thought fine great I'm glad they're playing better the Lakers but I still had never bought into this idea that these mid-season moves were going to change the game in terms of an actual contender in the postseason. I did however think they could win a lot more here down the stretch and maybe make a play-in game. I never said that wasn't a possibility because it's obvious that LeBron was incredibly motivated, calling the last 23 games at the time the most important of his career. AD echoed those same sentiments a game later. So these guys were turning it up. They were taking it very seriously. LeBron last night, 26 points with 8 rebounds while shooting 10 of 23 from the field and now this and we know the Lakers can't get it done without LeBron you mentioned the woes last night for the Lakers they had missed their first 15 shots from behind the arc by the way uh the the key to them was that they were able to shut Luka and Kyrie down in the second half like the huge overwhelming majority of Doncic's points were 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 in the first quarter. I would be 14 of 26 in the first quarter. Irving scored just four of his 21 points in the fourth quarter last night. It wasn't how the Mavs started. They started with a 48-21 lead at one point. It was how they finished, and that was the problem. The Lakers had figured them out defensively. I don't know what that means for the Mavericks moving forward. For me, it raises some red flags here for two guys, two superstars, who are learning to gel or trying to gel anyways and learning to play each other that that collapse could occur and again i don't consider this lakers team even after the midseason moves as some like truly threatening team and now without james
1: forget about it do not buy into the mavericks making a deep run it's not going to happen and before you freak out and talk about how many stars they have let me lay this on you defense Matters in the postseason. I know that seems obvious, but let's put it in the context. The Mavericks currently rank 24th in the NBA in defensive efficiency. They are not good on that end of the court. They weren't good before the trade for Kyrie. They're going to be even worse after because they traded away their best defender in Dorian Finney Smith. Okay? You go back over the last 20 years and look at the 40 teams that made the NBA finals, two teams per year, 40 teams over the last 20 years. 33 of those 40 teams ranked in the top 10 in defensive rating only two teams made the finals over the last 20 years with a defensive rating outside the top 20 which is where the mavericks currently sit and neither one of those teams won you have to be able to play defense you have to be able to play a high level of defense to make it deep in the postseason the mavericks do not play defense at all. They are not going to make a deep run in the postseason. So if you're looking at futures bets or you're just having conversations and making picks with your friends, do not pick the Mavericks to make a deep run in the 2023 NBA postseason.
0: Joe and Ambers presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Yeah, those stats are staggering. And we saw a little sample last night when they let the Lakers storm all the way back by 27 points. That's going to be a problem if the Mavs can't play defense when we're talking about everybody ramping it up. Like how the Lakers have ramped it up here the last couple of games, everybody ramps it up in a postseason. So that's going to be a big problem for Dallas. A big problem for the Lakers, though, is the latest from Woads that it looks like LeBron might be missing weeks with a right foot injury he said on the court last night i heard it pop and apparently it appears that it is a serious injury more joe and amber at espn radio coming up
1: joe and amber the podcast